is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Well, this morning I'm quite excited. I'm, I'm glad two of you are as well. That's really good. This morning I'm quite excited. Uh, because it's the start of our new preaching series. That's three of you. This is, this is good. Well, maybe we'll, we'll get somewhere in a moment. And I've been looking forward to this for a while. And uh, we're going to spend the next few weeks, really, uh, through the summer now, looking at the life of David. Now, David was uh, probably one of the most significant, if not the most significant, Old Testament king. And uh, we're going to spend this time looking at different parts of his life. Now, if you know the story of David, you'll know that some of his life was great, and there, but there were some moments that weren't so great as well. It wasn't all good. And uh, I want us to ask the question, what can we learn from both those good times, but also the times that uh, weren't so good as well. So we're going to be looking at David. I, I put down some notes. David, worshipper, warrior, womanizer, king. So not all of the things are good in that list, Okay, just to be really clear about it. But we're going to look at some different parts of his life and uh, see what God has for us. And it will take us up to the end of August. There might be one or two detours on the way, uh, but that's where we're going to. And then we'll begin uh, a new preaching series uh, in the autumn uh, around about the beginning of September. So if you've got a Bible with you, if you'd like to find the book of 1 Samuel, Please. You find uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. I think it is much easier these days, isn't it, with electronic Bibles. You don't have to know where all the books are. You just type it in and there, there it is. It just finds it for you. Was, I remember when I was in youth group which is a few years ago now. You know, we were trying to learn the books of the Bible and where they were and how to find them quickly. And uh, all that's gone these days, isn't it? I'm, I'm bemoaning the, uh, the rise of the digital Bible. And there we are. It has got advantages. But hopefully you'll have found 1 Samuel 16 by now. And we'll read some verses together, starting at verse 1. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul? since I have rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Conse cons consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. 
The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then made Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending the sheep. Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord says, Rise and anoint him. He is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power. Samuel then went to Ramah. Okay, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we want to give you this time as we begin this new series looking at the life of David. And we pray now as we begin to to look at his life, that you would teach us, Lord, by your Spirit. Father, I want to pray, not only for today, but these weeks ahead, that Holy Spirit, you would come and be our teacher, that you would illuminate Scripture to us, that we would not only understand what we read, but, Lord Jesus, by your Spirit, you would apply it to our lives. Lord, I pray that you would come and strengthen us, you would come and teach us, come and do us good, Lord, as we spend these times in your Word. Would it feed us? Would we grow in you as a result? And Lord, I pray now for me as I, as I speak. I pray you'd help me to communicate well. And Lord Jesus, you would come and do what you want to do in these moments with your word. We ask it, please, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so before we get into David then, particularly, let's have a little bit of a background. Let's look at the situation that we find ourselves in. So we read here about Samuel. Now Samuel was the Lord's prophet and uh, God was speaking to him and had made it clear that he had rejected Saul who was the previous king. Saul hadn't been totally obedient to the Lord. In 1 Samuel 15, just the uh, the previous chapter here, uh, we read that God sent Saul on a mission. And he sent him on a mission to destroy the Amalekites. But he didn't carry out all that God had spoken to him about. He didn't carry out all the instructions. He decided to keep some of the sheep and and cattle and and offer them as a sacrifice to the Lord. Now you could think, oh, that would be a good thing, wouldn't it? But it wasn't a good thing because he was disobedient to what God had asked him to do. And God describes it as Saul turning away from him. And he sends Samuel to him. And in 1 Samuel 15, uh, verse 22, we we read this, Samuel talking to, to Saul. He says, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, 
he has rejected you as king. So some pretty harsh words that Samuel had for Saul here that God sent him to deliver. And isn't it interesting that God says that Saul's rebellion, this sin of rebellion, is like divination and arrogance like idolatry. And you think, well, they have really bad sins. It seems that they're things that God makes it really clear in his word that we're not to get into. And he says, well, rebellion is like that. Arrogance even is like that. You see, if we're not careful, we can think that, oh, rebellion isn't so bad or arrogance isn't really bad, is it? But that's not how God sees it. Saul's rebellion was this, not fully carrying out God's instructions. He obeyed in part, but not in full. I I can think of people that I've known over the years who have obeyed God in part. I can think of people that I've known over the years who have been quite arrogant And if I'm totally honest with you, probably at times I have fallen into both of those camps. And there have been times in my life where probably I would have been guilty of those things. But you know what? You can be different. You can be different to how Saul was. You don't have to fall at the same hurdle here. You can jump this one. If you're prepared for it and you're faithful to what God has said to you, you can jump this one. You don't have to fall like Saul did. How? It's by the power of the Spirit. By the power of God's Holy Spirit. He is God's power for life. He comes to you and gives you power to live in a way that honours God. So let's be clear. God is after hearts that are fully devoted to him. Not just partially devoted to him, but fully devoted to him. And so before we get into talking about David, as we'll do in just a moment, we need to understand why God had rejected Saul. He wasn't fully obedient. If you're of a a certain age and uh, you've been a Christian for a while, you might remember the Christian singer and songwriter Keith Green. And uh, he had a song that was taken with these words, to obey is better than sacrifice. And I remember hearing it on an album. It was a cassette. And those of you who are a different certain age, find someone later, older, ask them what cassette is, and they'll explain it to you. Okay? And I remember hearing this on a cassette, and uh, really the song quite impacting me. Because you think, well, surely sacrificing to the Lord is good. Surely you'd like that. It's worship, isn't it? Surely you've got to be pleased with that. But what God says is to obey is better. Better to obey God and obey him fully. So I want to encourage you this morning. If God asks you to do something, be obedient. Be fully obedient. See, this should sound a warning to us, friends. Let's not just obey God in part. Let's obey him in full. Amen? Amen. Yeah. A phrase in one of the commentaries I was reading this week said this, obedience to God can't be pick and mix. I thought it's a great phrase, isn't it? But it's true. Obedience to God can't be pick and mix. You can't say, well, yeah, I like that bit of the Bible, so I'll obey that. But this bit here, well, that's really tough. I don't like that. I'm going to ignore that. 
And that bit over there, well, I really don't agree with that, so we'll leave that as well. It's not like that. You can't pick and mix bits you like and, uh, and, and don't like. Obedience to God isn't pick and mix. So I want to urge you, don't have a pick and mix faith. But be fully obedient to the Lord. Live wholeheartedly for Jesus. Live passionately for him. Don't fall at the same points that Saul fell at. So the Lord rejects Saul as king and now wants his prophet Samuel to go out and anoint a new king. And God makes it clear what Samuel is to do and he sends him off with some instructions. So let's ask this question. What is God looking for? What does God look for? Or to put it another way, why does God choose David? Why is he the one that God says anoints him? What is it about David that God sees and says, this is who I'm choosing to be king? Why is that? Why does God choose David? See, it seems that even Samuel is surprised, isn't it? Because, you know, Jesse wheels his sons out and he goes through them all. And, you know, even Samuel, it seems, is looking really for the wrong thing. He's godly, but he's being obedient, but he's not looking for what God is looking for. He's impressed by what he sees. He's impressed by the immediate, by someone's appearance, by maybe what he can see there, the outside, maybe their reputation. But God is looking at something different. What's God looking for? Well, he tells us in verse 7 of 1 Samuel 16. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. That's what God is looking at. And that's what he's found in David. Jesse calls seven of his sons in. They all stand before Samuel. And to each one, God says no. And you can imagine Samuel getting a bit frustrated, can't you, at this point, going, well, well you know, I've seen seven. You know, and, he, and he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? You know, are there really any more? Wondering what's going on. But isn't it interesting, not even Jesse, not even Dad, thinks it's worth calling in David from the sheep. You feel a bit sorry for him at this point, don't you? You know, Samuel the prophet's there. They're going to make a sacrifice and celebrate before the Lord. And uh, Jesse wheels in his sons and poor old David is out looking after the sheep. Doesn't even get invited in. Until Samuel says, are there any more? Have we, have we missed any? <laughs> have you forgotten about any maybe? And Jesse goes, well there is David, but he's the youngest. And he's just out tending the sheep. And Samuel says, well go call him. Go call him. It's not really the best to start, is it? <laughs> Poor David. Not even his dad is impressed enough to bring him in at this point. But it doesn't matter. Because God's looking at his heart. And he knows who he's looking for. And when he's eventually brought in, God tells Samuel he's the one and to anoint him with oil. And there's no indication really in, in the scriptures here as to whether David or his father or his brothers really know what's going on. We're not told at this point whether, he's, uh, whether it's revealed to him that he has been chosen to be king or whether it's just that he got anointed. We could speculate, but the scripture doesn't tell us. It's not very clear to us exactly 
what they knew what was going on at this stage. You know, sometimes you know that God has chosen you. Sometimes you know God has spoken to you. Sometimes you know even that God has anointed you. But you're not fully clear on why. Or what for. Or quite how things will pan out. You know God has spoken perhaps something. Or you know that you've received the touch of his spirit. But you're not quite sure how it's going to work out. What it's going to look like. And quite what God is calling you to. Anybody ever felt like that? Sometimes that's how God works. And that it seems how God was working here. Maybe you're feeling like that even this morning. So why David? Why was he chosen? He was chosen because of his potential, not because of his current status or kingly CV. It's not that he'd been on the course. It's not that he'd done the work experience course of, you know, becoming king, have a couple of weeks at the, uh, the king's palace and get some experience there. It's not that he'd studied in a particular way. It's that God looked at his heart and he chose him. He saw that he was obedient. He saw that he was faithful in small things. God saw him out in the field, even when Samuel didn't. He saw his obedience. He saw his faithfulness. And God chooses David based on his own criteria. It's not to do with how he looks. It's not to do with his height. It's not to do with his age. It's not to do with his experience. It's not to do with his education. It's to do with his heart. That's why God chooses David. The Lord looks at the heart. And friends, it's so important for us to see this. It wasn't Samuel who chose David. It was the Lord. Samuel's job was just to be obedient to do what he was told and go anoint the right person. So how does God choose people today? Is it based on outward appearance? Fortunately not. God hasn't changed really how he chooses people. He still looks at the heart. He looks through the outside. He looks at things that you and I see and looks right into people's hearts. Because he sees what's going on. So you might look like the most unlikely person that God could use. You might be the youngest. Or you might be the very oldest. You might be tucked out of way. Out of sight. You might feel that nobody has really noticed you or known what was going on. But you know what? None of that matters. None of that matters because God sees your hearts. He sees whether you're being faithful with what he has called you to right now. And he sees your hearts. And if he wants to raise you up, then he can do that. And he can do that in his own time. You don't have to push yourself forward because God will take care of things. Think again of David. He was out of the picture he wasn't even in the initial lineup. He didn't make the shortlist. He hadn't got to the semi-final. You know, he wasn't there. But God knew who he, was chosen, who he was choosing. And God knows where you are too. You might think that he's overlooked you. You might think he's passed you by. You might think that you're not even on his radar. You'd be wrong. He knows exactly where you are. 
and he sees your heart. I remember one of my lecturers when I was uh, uh, training some years ago, and he was talking about this issue with us. And there were most of us in our, I guess, our mid-twenties, eager and passionate to live, live lives that, that loved Jesus and made a difference in his kingdom. And he talked to us about this. He said, you know, don't push yourself forwards. God will raise you up at the right time if he wants to. And uh, he was leading a church in, uh, in a fairly out-of-the-way place, not the sort of place that you would go through or, or, or visit. It wouldn't, wasn't a particularly large um, city or anything like that. And he was part of a team leading a church there. Yet he had settled this in his heart. And I remember him telling us to settle it in our hearts too. It's interesting, some years later, God has raised him up. And now he's got a significant profile. Travels a lot internationally. And God has raised him up. And one of the reasons I believe God has raised him up because he was faithful with what he had given him to do. And he knew he could trust him with things. Because he knew his heart. So God doesn't call you to push yourself forward. He calls you to be faithful. Whatever God has given you to do, be faithful in it. And whether it's seen by lots of people or not, doesn't matter. Whether it's on a stage or before anybody else turns up at a meeting, if that's where God has called you to serve, be faithful there. I remember for years I used to do church PA. This is why I have a certain affinity with our tech team. Because for years, I, I, that's how I served at church. I was the first there and the last out. And uh, pretty much most of the gear was stored in my garage. Or to be more accurate, my parents' garage, technically. <laughs> and each Sunday we, we'd load up the Mini Metro, or whatever it was I was driving at the time, and uh, off we'd go and, uh, and lug it into church. And that's what God had called me to do for years. And I did it faithfully. I actually enjoyed doing it. And it was fun. But it wasn't about push, being pushed forward or trying to do something else. I knew that's what God had got for me. So I did that. And God taught me some lessons in it, I think. I wonder what has God got for you? Maybe it's visible. Maybe it's invisible, you think. Listen, it's not invisible to him. Be faithful with what God has given you. Don't always be pushing for something else. Just be obedient. And God will raise you up, if he wants to, at the right time. Remember, David was faithful with looking after a whole bunch of sheep. And you might think that that's not a very good preparation for being king. But actually it was. It prepared him quite well. Looking after sheep, it seemed, prepared him to fight Goliath. And we'll look at this, uh, I think, next week. 1 Samuel 17, David says to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. But when a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. So maybe it was quite good preparation for fighting some battles after all. Then we'll look at that next time. But I wonder too whether learning to worship God on his own with a bunch of sheep <laughs> actually prepared David to worship God in public 
with the nation of Israel. God was preparing him. God knew what he was doing. It wasn't a surprise that he'd chosen David. It wasn't like, oh, well, it's all gone pear-shaped. Who else can I find? He knew that in his plan that David would be king at the right time. And he was preparing him. And he saw his heart being faithful in what he'd given him to do. I wonder, how is God preparing you? And for what is God preparing you? What has God whispered? What promises has he spoken over you? Once God made it clear to Samuel that David was the one, Samuel anoints him. And in verse 13, we're told that the Holy Spirit came upon him. The Spirit of the Lord came upon David in power, we're told in verse 13. You know, the Holy Spirit's very active in the Old Testament. It wasn't that he just turned up or woke up at Pentecost. <laughs> he was active in the Old Testament, even in creation, right at the beginning the time the Spirit of God was hovering there upon the earth. But he's very active here in the Old Testament. The difference is he's not poured out on everybody, given to everybody, but rather he's given to particular people at particular times for particular purposes. And this is just one of those purposes, being king, as David would be. So God chooses him and he anoints him with the Holy Spirit. You know, knowing God's call isn't enough on its own. You need to know God's power. Knowing his call isn't enough on its own. You need to know his power. And if God chooses, then he anoints. And the anointing of God is crucial. It's critical for David and for you and me. We need to know and live in the good of the power of God. And so the oil that Samuel uses is a sign. It's a sign of the Spirit. And it's a sign that God has chosen and anointed him for something significant. And it's a sign of the Spirit resting upon him and empowering him for it. David was going to need the indwelling power of God in his life. And so do you. And so do I. God may not have called you to be king, but he has called you to follow him. He has called you to be faithful to him, to be obedient to him, and to live for him in a way that honours him. So how are you going to do that? Well, it's going to be in the power of the Spirit. And it's interesting that just after we're told that God comes to David in power, we're also told that the Spirit of God departs from Saul. And that's quite a worrying phrase. Because you wouldn't want the Spirit of God to depart from you, would you? You wouldn't want the Spirit of God to leave you. A similar thing happens to Samson. There's an awful verse in Judges 16 where it says that Samson did not know that the Lord had left him. Judges 16 verse 20. Those sort of verses should make us sit up sharp and take notice. To be clear, I'm not for one moment suggesting that you can lose your salvation. I don't believe you can. I think the scripture is very clear about this. 
But it does seem it is possible to lose the presence of God and the awareness of God's closeness to you, his power for life, his anointing. And it seems too it's possible for that to happen and you not realise it. And so, friends, we need to do all we can to cultivate a relationship with the Holy Spirit. To know his voice, to know his presence, to know his friendship. R.T. Kendall wrote a classic book on this subject some years ago called The Sensitivity of the Spirit. And he argues that the Spirit is sensitive. I think there's some truth in that. And it is possible to grieve him. We need to know as well that the presence of God, his Spirit, anointing people, isn't any proof of holiness either. Because actually it's by God's grace that he comes to us. It's not as a reward for our hard work. It's not because we've been particularly good or holy. It's by his grace. So the presence of God, his anointing, isn't a sign of holiness either. I guess we can all think of people that have done amazing things for God and seemingly moved in great power, yet known that their walk with God and their personal lives were disaster zones. So let's not judge others, but rather work hard at keeping our hearts right and knowing the presence of God in our lives. Yeah? So how do you do that as we finish? Well, firstly, stay close to the Lord. Stay really close to him. Develop your relationship with him. Pay attention to the promptings of the Spirit. Welcome the Holy Spirit in your own life. It's not only on a Sunday morning that we say, Holy Spirit, you're so welcome here. But that should be how we start every day, saying, Holy Spirit, I want you to be welcome in my life today. I want you to lead me. I want you to speak to me. I want to hear your voice. I want to know your friendship. I want to know your presence. Do you start each day like that? That's a good way to start the day. Because it puts you in a frame of mind where you reminds you that you need God's presence in your life. And it reminds you too that he's faithful and loves to come and empower you. If you've ever tried to lead the Christian life on your own, without the presence of God and his power, you will know that it's a pretty tough gig. Would you agree? I've tried that, and I didn't get on very well. My guess is that some of you have tried that too. But if you live in the power of God, and allow him to come to you, and him to dwell in, dwell in you, and empower you, then it's a different deal completely. Because you're living with his power, and not your own. And who knows that God's power is far greater than ours. Amen? David had a fairly unimpressive start, didn't he? Didn't even get called in when Samuel showed up. But he ended up as king. I wonder what might God be calling you to? What has he anointed you for? And how are you allowing God to shape you for what he has for you? There are some shaping times to come for David, weren't there? We'll read about them over the next few weeks. He didn't become king immediately. There were some battles that he needed to learn to fight. 
and there was some shaping that God was going to do upon his life. Maybe you could call it some discipleship that he needed to go through. God needed to work on some things and get him ready for what he had for him. Maybe that's true for you. Maybe there's a process that you're going through even now. Friends, most of us go through those sort of processes. And you know what? God tends to use community in those processes. Discipleship happens in community. Growing in God happens as we're around others, as we allow God to shape us through others. He often does it like that. And we see through different circumstances and people that God was going to shape David and train him. And maybe the Lord's doing that for you even now. I want to encourage you, be open to that. Don't be too quick to get into what God's spoken to you about, but rather be open to God's process. Once you've heard his call, be open to his shaping. Be open to the process that he has for you as you begin to move into what he has. As I was preparing this week, I felt we should just have a moment of silence now and ask God to speak and just see what God might say. The band are going to come up, or at least Adam's going to come up, I think, as we're going to finish with a song in a moment as we as close our time together. But just before we do that, let's just close our eyes and have a moment of quiet before the Lord and ask God to speak to you. Just in this moment, oh, I saw your band are here, excellent, fantastic. Just in this moment, ask God to speak to you. What is it that he is calling you to? What's the process that he's got for you at this time? What is he speaking to your heart about? Maybe just in these moments, you need to welcome the Holy Spirit again and just ask him to come to you and empower you. Let's just be quiet before the Lord. You just pray and just be before God now. Lord Jesus, we thank you for what we've looked at this morning. And God, we thank you for your call upon David. Thank you for Samuel's obedience. And thank you for your choosing of David, who is to become king. And then we pray in our own lives that we would know your voice speaking, calling us. We would know your anointing for what it is you've spoken to us about. And Lord Jesus, you would give us hearts that are humble before you in the process, in the waiting times, in those discipling times, in the shaping times, in the preparation times. Lord, help us to know your timing. Help us to know your grace. And Lord, we pray that we might fulfill that which you've spoken to us about. Lord, I pray that be true of each of us individually. God, we pray it be true of this church, that we would fulfill all that you've spoken to us about and all that you're going to speak to us about. Lord, we want to have hearts that are open before you personally and corporately, that you might find here an obedient people that love you and have hearts for you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to
to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk.